Welcome to the Faith Forward podcast series. Faith Forward is a grassroots network dedicated to bringing together leaders of ministry with children, youth, and families for collaboration, resourcing, and inspiration toward innovative theology and practice. Through this series, we'll learn from creative, forward-thinking leaders who are pushing the boundaries and reimagining what it means to follow Jesus' way of love and justice today. Join us as we instigate a revolution of hope in our world. Welcome to this episode of the Faith Forward Podcast. I'm Dave Sinis, and my guest today is Tracy Smith. Tracy is pastor of Elmhurst Presbyterian Church in the Chicagoland area, and she's also the author of Faithful Families, Creating Sacred Moments at Home, and the newer book, Prayers for Faithful Families. Uh, Tracy, I'm delighted that you're here with me today. Thanks so much. It's so good to be here, Dave. Well, I have been a fan of your work uh, since I first uh, found out about your, your first book. And I have just loved the way that you take the idea of um, infusing f- spiritual and religious practices into the everyday lives um, of families, marking both, you know, the, the daily rhythm of family life, but also those um, holidays and the, the kind of big events that come t- sometimes once a year or once a lifetime, like getting your driver's license, right? So I'm wondering if you could just tell us a little bit about the background of, of how you got into this and why you became interested um, in, in these kind of, of practices. When I was first a new mother, I had my baby son, Clayton, uh, and he had his first cold, his first little sickness. And I was stressed out and freaking out about it like a new mom maybe is. I don't know. At least I was. And um, my kids in the background. And and as a pastor, whenever people are sick, I would go to the hospital and then do a like an anointing on their forehead. And so I did that with my son just kind of instinctually or just out of a sense of let's let's try this. And I felt better and my son felt better. And it was a moment where we just uh, were at peace. And so I was on maternity leave and I just spent a lot of time thinking like, you know, how do I marry these two things that I love, mothering and parenting and and pastoring? And so during the maternity leave, I kind of laid out what what would be uh, rituals and faith practices at home that I would like to impart to my own kids. And originally it was going to be a series of blog posts, and then I won't bore you with the details of how it became a book, but it was just out of this sense of uh, wanting to marry faith formation and parenting. And I, I uh, studied faith formation in set seminary. It's always been important to me, but I've always been a sort of senior pastor, general pastor. I never uh, worked as a Christian educator, but it was just a, a marrying of those two things. Right. And, and of course, faith formation is central to, the, to all pastoring, regardless of what our job titles are. And you obviously know that well. 
can you tell us a little bit um, what types of practices? Can you give us just a few snapshots and examples for people who might not be familiar with the book? So sure, in terms of the division of the book, I divided it up into traditions, ceremonies, which I called rituals. So ceremonies or rituals and spiritual practices. So the traditions are things that you do maybe every day or every week, like praying with your children or maybe a morning time tradition or bedtime mm -hmm. tradition. And then the rituals or ceremonies are things that mark kind of a special moment in a child's life. So uh, first day of school or a holiday or getting a driver's license. Although I've heard from parents that some kids aren't getting driver's licenses anymore, but those special moments of transition in a child's life are um, the, the rituals or ceremonies. And then the third section of my book or the third kind of practice that I think about is a spiritual practice. So something that you do to deepen your own faith, whether it's an ancient spiritual practice like the labyrinth or a sacred meal or a body prayer or Lectio Divina, or a, a newer spiritual practice like observing beauty or imagination, things like that. So uh, traditions, rituals or ceremonies and spiritual practices are the three divisions that I think of that parents can develop at home with their kids. And it's really not just for families as well. Like anyone can, I, I often recommend it for pastors and Christian educators who are at smaller churches and might only have a couple children with, you know, eight years between them all. And they're always saying, you know, how do we, how do we pick a curriculum? And I say, you don't pick a curriculum, you do spiritual practices or you do these kind of, these kind of practices as if you were a family. So you wrote that book a, a few years ago and more recently you wrote prayers for faithful families. So tell us about that project. So the first, the first project, uh, Faithful Families, was more laying out all of these different spiritual practices that you could use. And like you said, churches found it really valuable. But I found as a parent that even my own work in Faithful Families, I wanted something even shorter, even right. more simple. Like, you know, I didn't want to devote 30 minutes with my family. I wanted to devote 90 seconds with yeah. them. And so I thought for a couple years about prayers that could be used in the same way that these practices were used. So instead of doing a whole big tradition for uh, Valentine's Day, what if there was just a simple prayer that we could pray? Mm -hmm. um, and one of my biggest focuses for me personally, people always ask me, how do you use these things with your own family? Mm -hmm. And for me, one of the most important sections of prayers for faithful families has been a section of prayers for difficult times, yeah. um, death and divorce and uh, all these other difficult moments that you go through as a family. It, it strikes me as incredibly important for families, as, as you've said, who might not be able to, to devote 30 minutes or, or who are starting out and, and maybe need to wade into the water slowly, right? To, to take right. 90 seconds, to take two minutes, um, because families are very busy. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes the moments that parents have with children are very fleeting. Mm -hmm. However, we're in the midst of a pandemic, and I feel like now families are spending more time together than they ever have, mm -hmm. perhaps, because everyone's stuck inside 
together. So what do you think that these kind of practices, how do you, how do you see them having even more importance, these prayers and practices uh, among families that are now not able to go to church together, that can't go to Sunday school or go to any sort of programs um, mm. for, for parents or for grandparents, for kids, and are just all at home together? Right. So I think, you know, during the COVID-19 pandemic, everything has become do it yourself at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and I was writing and talking about this, you know, before the pandemic, obviously, but as you say, now it's sort of feeling like not just an option, not just an add on. It's feeling like it's, if we want our children and our families to grow in faith, a lot of it we have to do at home. The community that we have is our small little community in our home. And so I've been thinking about it a lot um, and encouraging people to use the same resources that I've always encouraged them to use, but maybe with the caveat that it's not um, something to feel guilty about or to feel like, oh my gosh, now I have Mm. to be my child's Sunday school teacher and my child's pastor and coach and spiritual director and all of these things together, Um, but to maybe take a moment and be free of all of that and say, okay, it's not that I have to do this. Now I'm being charged with being a a pastor. It's that now there's this space and there's this opportunity. There's a time at home. So how can we take this time at home and what words are there that we can just drop into this space? Um, Mm -hmm. I'm thinking a lot about anxiety and stress for kids, there's so much uncertainty right now in our world. So to be able to take some prayers or take some words that have already been written for you and to be able to use them at home, I think is a gift and it's an opportunity. Uh, there's lots of people that have written you know, about these things. You curate all of these resources so well for people. Mm-hmm. It's not, uh, not just my work, obviously, um, <laughs> but to find faith at home resources and to be able to start these uh, traditions at home. I know my own family, we've started just some weird traditions, just things that we mm, eat like now what? that we didn't used to eat. You know, it's like cake every night. Okay. <laughs> Story time. Um, so why not add on a, uh, a new tradition of a morning prayer. You're not rushing off to school. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you can, you're homeschooling probably whether you want to or not. So you can make up your own rhythms and routines about that, you know, break for lunch, do something. More than ever, those can provide the the rhythm of Mm -hmm. life and give uh, a routine. I mean, personally, for me, one of the rhythms I've lost and I've tried to find new ways to find again is that the difference between a weekday and a weekend yes um i'm sure everyone's in the in the same boat so one of the things that i'm uh often writing and speaking about regardless of whether we're in a pandemic or not is this the the idea of how our kind of consumer capitalistic culture has Mm -hmm. infiltrated um, how we do church as a whole but especially our ministry practices with youth and with children. Um, and this is something that I first came across in the work of, of Joyce Mercer and her book, Welcoming Children, um, yeah. from about 15 years ago. And I'm finding it kicking into, in, not maybe not kicking into high gear, but manifesting itself differently in the pandemic, where instead of church being one 
extracurricular activity among many like hockey and Mm. dance dance lessons and piano lessons and things like that um which is i certainly don't believe that it is right it's something different um now it's similar but it's in the house so instead of it's another activity outside of the house Mm -hmm. like you've said it's kind of for some people right there with well i have Mm -hmm. to coach my kids i have to I have to be their teacher. I have to be their, their art instructor and, uh-huh. and do all these things that if that parents might not have any idea even how, how to do them mm-hmm. um, and are certainly trying for, for the love of their children. But church and formation, is, in my mind, is not one of these things. It is not uh, you know, one among a, a list of many aspects of our life. It, uh-huh. To me, it's supposed to be in the the center it's something that's woven throughout all the other aspects of our life right so we don't we don't have you know from 10 to 11 we're going to go practice our our baseball batting right how to you know our batting outside but from 11 to 12 we're going to practice faith stuff and then 12 o'clock is lunch right like what, what i love about your work is is deep down at the heart of it is this sense that it's not set aside this time as the set apart time it's it's also this idea of infusing the the very everyday aspects of our life with a spiritual uh rhythm with a spiritual depth with something that allows it to be transformed what what i I love the way brian mclaren said in one of his books this idea of of faithing our practices right taking our everyday practices and infusing them with with faithful meaning um how do you see parents realistically getting started now yeah i i couldn't agree more with what you're saying about you know sometimes you hear people saying talking about your spiritual life it's like well it's not Mm -hmm. like we have a spiritual life that's separate from the rest of our life it's just your life right you don't you just you have your whole life and it's for better Mm -hmm. or for worse your whole life is a spiritual life so maybe freeing yourself there's a a thing I always talk about. There's this Newsweek cover, I don't know when, a long time ago called The Myth of the Perfect Mother. And it was like this woman with all these arms shooting off. And it was like, you know, there's a sports image and then there's like a fork Mm. representing cooking and all these things. And so I think the first step is just sort of free yourself from thinking that you have to have this spiritual arm attached you know you don't it's Mm -hmm. just the way that that we live our lives so i think if you're trying to think of okay well what's one one way that i could start out like one one small thing i always encourage parents uh and grandparents or whoever wants to do this to start with the routines that you already have because everybody Mm -hmm. every family has some kind of routine sometimes we feel like it's really floppy or not very, you know, what we want it to be, but there's some kind of routine. You get dressed in the morning or you, you know, brush your teeth before bed. So you have, you have much more success trying to tack something onto a routine that you already have. If you don't eat together as a family already, it's kind of lofty, uh, maybe unrealistic to say, okay, we're going to go from no dinners together as a family to seven days a week eating right. together and praying together. It's just sort of setting yourself up for disappointment. Mm. But if you say, okay, well, we do have this uh, routine where we get into our pajamas and 
brush our teeth and then you know we're going to just add on a small prayer or a bedtime blessing so instead of the the child having to say something we just put the child into bed and then say some words of blessing um i do that with my three-year-old daughter and make the sign of the cross on her forehead and she started to do that and when mm. she has her puts her dollies to bed she makes the sign of the cross on their heads and so you know i think the other the other piece of encouragement that i always have is that it's more i think it's more important to do the same thing the same small thing consistently than to do say one really elaborate thing mm. once in a while yeah. So if you, if every night before you go to bed, you list three things that you're grateful for and you do that for a year, that is a much more profound impact on your child's faith development and your own faith development than, you know, kind of getting out all of the artwork and doing something elaborate once in a while. So these mm -hmm. small, consistent repeatable things are the ones that make um make consistent change i'm not an expert on the neurology but i do trust you know some neurologists that i've talked to about this that talk about that yeah it it does change your kind of brain your brain space if you mm -hmm. do these repeatable short things consistently and it kind of um it forms you for yeah life yeah, that that um, listing things you're, you're grateful for. Um, I've actually pulled that from Faithful Families and used mm -hmm. that in some of the seminary classes I teach at Atlantic yes. School of Theology as a way of starting, um, especially when things are, when it might be a difficult time in the semester, yeah. starting um, a class with that uh, mm -hmm. has been really powerful and the students are, are really open to that and find it very helpful. Mm -hmm. um, but so do I as, as the instructor. And I think it's, to me, it picks up on the, the fact that there's this, again, this one of the assumptions that is coming to the surface mm -hmm. in the pandemic and as people are, are at home um, not knowing what to do is the idea that adults do things for children. Mm -hmm. um, adults do things mm -hmm. for teenagers, right? We, right? we we work with those who are younger than us for their benefit. Right. And things like like these these listing listing what we're grateful for, mm -hmm. um, this is not a child or teen centered practice. It is just a, a human practice. Mm -hmm. And it really is for families to do together. Right. And so so I'm hoping that as people start to think about what are they going to do, how are they going to nurture their faith at home? It's not just about how do we nurture our child's faith, but what do we do as a, as a family to develop this common faith that we, that we hold as a, as a family unit, but, but also our individual spiritual lives that, um, that as we riff off each other and kind of uh, form one another as, yep. as we form ourselves even. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. I couldn't agree more. I mean, I think it's not, it's not like uh, I have this thing that I need to teach you. It's that we're growing together in faith as a family and we're going to figure it out together. Uh, you know, one of the biggest objections that parents often have to doing faith formation at home is like, well, I don't know enough. I don't have enough, right. you know, expertise or whatever. And it's not, um, 
I hear that, but I think that it's like, well, in other areas of parenting, we just kind of figure it out. You know, we don't say like, well, I don't know how to feed my kids. I'm right. not a nutritionist. You're just like, well, you gotta look at, you gotta figure something out. Yeah. Um, and so to be able to, it's, I think it requires a bit of humility and, and maybe vulnerability to say like, wow, I'm not used to speaking this kind of language out loud. I'm worried about it. I, I'm, you know, usually put it in the hands of some expert, but I'm going to just release some of that fear and mm -hmm. kind of step out on a ledge and see where it takes me. And then to be surprised and um, delighted by the fact that children will, will help you. <laughs> They'll yeah. teach you and show yeah. you what to do. Yeah. And, and doing nothing is not a neutral stance. I know a lot of people who think, well, I don't want to do the wrong thing. So they do, they do nothing. Um, it reminds me of a, a friend of mine is, a, is an Anglican priest. Mm -hmm. And he talks about being at a, a dinner party and meeting some people who found out he was a priest. And they said, oh, you know, well, when we had kids, we allowed, you know, we, we wanted our children to choose their own spiritual path so we didn't take them to any church and he said oh so they're all grown up now so what did they choose right. and they of course say uh nothing and it's like well they, they chose what you gave them when we do nothing with young people we are you know it's that implicit what what some you know educational theorists call the null curriculum that right. even the things we don't do communicate the importance um you know, what we value, what's, what's worth your time and attention, what's worth investing in. And so we need to, you know, doing something small is better than, than doing nothing at all. There's this parallel. I know we've talked a lot about families, um, but there's this parallel, I think, in ministry that we've picked up on. One of the things a lot of my colleagues and friends in ministry right now are struggling with is the idea that their, their hands are tied right? Um, it used to be, regardless of what, uh, uh, you know, what parents were doing, we could continue to push the importance of family, uh, the faith practices of families, the idea of faith at home. Um, but regardless, as long as parents were bringing, or grandparents, right, were bringing their kids to church, mm -hmm. we could do something with them in, in those, those hours, even if they weren't doing something at home. Mm -hmm. um, now they're not coming. So for people who are in ministry, uh, practitioners who are in churches or, or other ministry organizations, um, what advice do you have for them to connect with families right now um, to, to help families engage in these, these sorts of practices? Yeah, I think there's a couple things. One is to be a good curator of the things that the parents can do at home. So to be able to say, do this, let's, let's, uh, why don't you try, why don't we try this together? And so you can maybe try and create some community around that. So all of us together this week or over the next few weeks are going to try doing X, Y, or Z faith practice at home. So all of us, you know, in our church, we're going to try doing this faith practice of gratitude or of blessing or whatever. And then we're going to report back and hmm. see how it goes or take pictures of our gratitude wall or whatever. Um, and then I think the other thing pastors and ministry leaders can do is to be a voice of almost mentoring or spiritual direction where you, if you want to give a, 
pep talk or a conversation with your parents and give them some advice about about it and also be a voice of support. So one of the other the things that I always talk about is what happens when it doesn't go well. You know, mm-hmm. um, I love hearing stories about when people tried some of the practices that I recommend and then they just go horribly wrong. Right. Because I think it's just a reminder of like with everything, you know, you have this image in your head like, oh, we'll sit around and we'll pray. And like, that's just not how it goes down. There's a yeah. practice in my book it's about um, marking the days that God has given you. So the idea is that you, you know, get some star stickers and just pretend that there's a star in the sky. And every day you put a star on the paper and say, thank you, God, for this day. Mm-hmm. You know, this kind of idea that the day is done and we're just thanking God for the day. And I had a one of my readers say, like, you know, I tried that. And there was like tears and crying over the, you know, the sticker color or whatever. Right. <laughs> so right. I think ministers can offer support and encouragement and a sense of like real life and say, mm-hmm. this isn't, this isn't going to go perfectly. This is going to be challenging. And sometimes you just like, forget it. Like nobody's on board. Nobody wants to talk. Everybody's mad. And we just have to move on, try again a different day. So I think that's another thing that ministry leaders can do is to provide direction and support there. Mm, Right. No one, you know, none of us are perfect. And um, it reminds me of the the Netflix show Nailed It, right? Where people (laughs) create terrible versions of beautiful cakes. Well, at the end of the day, there's still a cake. And they right. still try it yeah. and, you know, yeah. we, we fail and we pick ourselves up and we try again next yeah. time. And th- yeah, there's this sense, I think, uh, that we have to, you know, as you said, the romanticized view of the family praying together, um, but people's hair gets pulled and different things uh, evoke strong feelings among, you know, children and, and youth that we might see is you know just kind of get over it it's no big deal um and and it's messy and beautifully so because as you've said it's not that our spiritual life is one part of us Mm -hmm. it it, our spiritual life is in the mess it as much as it is in the beauty um so i i'm hopeful that um our listeners can can hear and glean your wisdom um to keep doing the fantastic work that they're doing yeah. to nurture their families and to nurture um, their, their own families and the families with whom they're, they're ministering um, yeah. in this kind of physically social distant um, yeah. world that we've suddenly found ourselves in. If people want to learn more about your work and about um, the, the practices and the prayers that, that you've created, uh, what's the best way for them to do that? would say uh, my website is tracysmith.com there's a dash between the tracy and the smith and it's tracy with an i so it's t-r-a-c-i dash s-m-i-t-h.com and you can awesome. sign up for my email list i send out every tuesday uh an email called treasure box tuesday that has resources for faith usually faith and family but sometimes just fun things that i've found there it's a great way to keep in touch i'd love to hear from anybody uh, that's interested in, in chatting more and keeping the conversation going. So thank and you so much for the conversation. It's a delight to chat with you. Oh, the pleasure is all mine. Put your head in my
Thanks for tuning in to the Faith Forward podcast series. If you want to learn more from creative thinkers and innovative leaders, be sure to subscribe or visit faith-forward.net.